Welcome to episode 211 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio in Los Angeles. This week on the show, a bit of a double header. Our feature presentation is going to be an interview with the guys from Bar of Dreams Los Angeles. That would be Jonathan Pedigo and Alex Leff. More on that in a moment. Uh, before that interview, we've got a short interview with our friends from Scout Expedition Co. That would be Jarrett Lance and Jeff Leinenweber, uh, whose show The Nest, which is one of our favorite things ever, uh, the tickets for which went on sale today. They're doing a remount. They've got a bigger version of the show. Uh, and this show, if you don't know, uh, it is a mix of, it's kind of like uh, if a serialized mystery podcast met an escape room and fell deeply in love and created uh, this amazing, amazing savant of a child. That's the nest. You can put that on the box, guys. Uh, not that there's a box because it's a live place. I guess a building is a box. Anyway, the point being the tickets are on sale and you should go get them. Uh, it is one of those answers to the question, hey, I'm coming into Los Angeles. What is there for me to do? I love immersive. And now we're going to be able to say, go check out the nest for as long as it can run. Uh, for as long as it can run. Okay, there we go on that. Um, there's a couple other things that we want to tell you about. First off, uh, we did get a bidder in our special auction for the College of Extraordinary Experiences. Uh, if you heard last week's show, you know that the college, uh, Klaus Rosted came to me and said, hey, I see you're in a bit of a bind over that NoPro. Uh, what if we gave you some tickets to auction uh, to the event, which is this amazing experiential uh, design conference, come workshop, collaborative thing that happens in a castle in Poland. Uh, it happens to be happening in castle in Poland next month. So uh, I was always worried it was going to be a bit of a long shot, but we did in fact get a better uh, and that means we're going to uh, hopefully uh, everything works out and we get to keep the lights on here a little bit longer. I like to think of it as runway. Uh, we just got a few more weeks of keeping things going. And if we can just do that a few more times for the rest of our lives, uh, however long those are, then, you know, uh, that's good. That'll be really good. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, thank you, everyone, over the college. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more about it as uh, the days and weeks and years go by. Um quick check-in on the other side of our financial equation, the Patreon. Again, thanks everyone who's stepped up. Uh, we're having a really good month, uh, which is great because we need to have a really good month. We're up 27 backers and $121 for the month so far. Thank you to Ingrid Kopp, Graham Wetterhahn, and Kevin Cafferty for jumping on board this week, and to Cindy Marie Jenkins, who is in China, for upping her pledge. I do not expect folks to up their pledge uh uh, I kind of get freaked out a little bit when people do, but every dollar counts. We're up to 268 patrons at $1,500 and four, $1,544 a month. Um, we've got a long way to go, like a long way to go before we'd be so self-sustaining that we wouldn't have to worry about anything. And of course, in this media environment, it's really hard. Uh, it's really, really, really hard 
to make media things go. So we're looking up every angle that we can, but the surefire way to make this work is you just run into the Patreon, pledge a dollar, pledge two bucks, uh, a dollar a month, which is 25 cents a week, 25 cents an episode is all I ask of everyone who listens. Uh, it's, it's chump change, really. Uh, and of course, the more people we have with less, uh, in terms of what they're being asked, then when the recession hits, <laughs> people won't have to cancel their pledges. Oh, it's just a dollar. When someone's going, oh, that's $75 a month I was given Noah, I need that because, you know, my company just folded. Uh, that's the thing I worry about. Uh, y- you gotta love it. You gotta love a trade war with China. <laughs> it's Friday, August 23rd. This is Dateline. Um, pretty much. Pretty much. But Patreon's going good. Keep it up. Patreon.com slash NoPersinium. Check out everything we do at NoPersinium.com. If you're new to this, yes, uh, I just, I put it all out there. I put it all out there uh, so long as I've been given permission to put it all out there. Yeah, that's how it works. Hey, let's set up. Um, let's set up. Let's set up the the nest. Uh, we did this on Uber conference, so we were all on speakerphones and laptops, and we talked for a bit. And you're gonna probably hear some very obvious edits because I was just having brain problems on Wednesday night. I probably still am. And um, so yeah, listen for some hard edits, uh, audio nerds out there. Uh, which if you're into the nest, you probably, maybe you are a little bit of an audio nerd because uh, they do such good work in that form. All right, let's jump right into that. And then when we get back, I'm going to set up Bar of Dreams Los Angeles, uh, which is, this is, oh, it's it's a fun interview. Um, so stick around for that one. All right, here we go. <laughs> So you're in the middle this week of tickets on sale to your Kickstarter backers. Yes. Yes, we are. So how does it feel to be at this point in the story? Um, it's awesome. I mean, it's been such a long time coming, I think. We did the original show in 2017. Um, we were looking at venues to do other shows. We have other ideas. And then when we found this venue, it was just the perfect place to remount it. And so it just kind of came together. But yeah, it's been kind of a long time coming. and. We've been designing it for a while, so it's kind of exciting. Uh, and of course, a little nerve-wracking as always, uh, but mostly exciting that uh, the the first shows are coming up really quick, which is gonna be great. We yeah. can't wait for people uh, to come see it. And it's all coming together. We're actually at the space right now. It's it's like beautiful. Um, the sets are coming together, looking really good, and it's just such an amazing space, even by itself. Like it's a, uh, used to be an old storage building, and so it's like just perfect for uh, the nest. Now, as I, as I understand it, um, you're going to be able to do two instances at once. So there's going to be kind of like a left side and a right side going on so you can get more people through. No, we're just doing, um, I know there's so many, there's so many games of telephone that can happen, but we're just doing the one room. Um, so it will still only be one group of people at a time. We're totally crazy. This is like the lowest capacity experience that has ever been made. Um, but that's okay. Um, it's fun. It's fun to do kind of like crazy stuff like that. So it will be, I mean, the space is much different. The show's larger than the previous one, but at least kind of that basic format of two people going through the space, they have the whole space to themselves. 
um, for an hour period, essentially. Um, that part is similar to the last show. It is funny. Like I have heard, like very people keep on telling me things like, "Yeah, this time it's gonna be this way. Or this time it's this way." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." I mean, I, I heard know. there was gonna be a whole like a, a space alien subplot. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh my god, that's what? awesome. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Hey, you what? never know. We could still put it in. That's kind what? of like that's that's <laughs> awesome that there's like random rumors. Oh my god, I love that. I'm, we're flattered. We need like we need the Al Lutz of like Scout Expedition Co. He's the guy for people who don't know. He's the guy that puts a lot of like Disneyland rumors and like Disney theme park rumors and stuff like that online. So, so you know, maybe someday we'll have that scoutage.net or something like that you know <laughs> exactly yes yes like all 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 the rumors that are so i was about to make a couple of jokes and i'm going to refrain <laughs> so yeah. um but so i guess it's been such a long road like what's what's your temperature right now like are is this just relief time that you're finally 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 getting to do it it's probably not relief right now. I mean, I think we're we're like so in the thick of it that it's like it, we're really like head down working as hard as we can. Like obviously, it's still really fun. It's like so fun putting together a show. Um, but we're really in that really like focus mode right now of we're building the sets. We recorded our audio a couple weeks ago, um, which was great. We got all our voice actors in who are are like absolutely fantastic. Um, we have some people helping us with different puzzles. Um, so kind of, you know, people have been working on their own individual elements and now we're kind of at the point where we're starting to bring everything together and soon everything's going to be working together and kind of like seeing all these things that have been working on separately come together into the full show, which is super, super exciting. So I wouldn't say it's not relief yet. It'll probably be relief like after opening night, but it's like drive, I guess you could say right now, like that, like we're going, going, going to get everything ready for our first guest. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it, it is a little bit different than last time, and it has been, I, I would say, like a, a more fun creative process, um, because we've had a lot of time to sort of really think and design this show uh, from the ground up. Um, you know, of course, we learned a lot from the original show, but um, when we were making that, we were sort of, as we were building it, we were sort of like exploring what sort of format the show would be, how it would all work, you know, we were sort of designing as we built it. Um, but this time we've had some time to, uh, this go around, we've had a lot more time to design it, uh, sort of bespoke for this space, um, and really incorporate a lot of ideas that we wish we could have done last time. So someone who's been through the original version, they're going to get a radically different experience in terms of the details is what I'm hearing out of that. I think so. I mean, I guess the way that I kind of think about it is it's like this, the story is definitely improved, but it's a similar story. I guess kind of a retelling of, of, a, of a similar story from Josie's life. But um, yeah, the story itself is improved. The tapes are rewritten. Everything's a little bit kind of fits together a little bit better. And then when it comes to the space itself, the building is just fantastic like we were talking about. Um, the sets are larger and more impressive. Um, you know, the props and furniture and everything like that. We have, uh, you know, a larger space and even more cool things to explore. Um, and everything, kind of like I think we talked about on the podcast last time, um, there's a lot of spaces that are a little bit more abstract than the last version um, where we can kind of uh, make it seem like you're kind of entering a little bit into some of Josie's memories. Um, still kind of in the, the guise of storage room, but sometimes it's almost like the, kind of the feeling that there's like a tear in the storage room where you're seeing a tiny little glimpse of a tiny little part of a room or a tiny little 
thing that kind of is from Josie's life. So I yeah. think, like, scenically, it's a little bit more um, interesting than the last one. Yeah, some of the scenes are, like, Josie's memory sort of bleeding together with the uh, storage room, and it's sort of like those transitions and the edges between them sort of, like, are in a constant state of, like, transition. Mm. That that sounds delicious. The people who've been backing the Kickstarter, are are those a lot of folks that you know like came and saw the original or is a lot of folks who um kind of missed out the first time i I guess i'm wondering that first wave of guests you're going to have are they are they old friends or new faces or a nice big jumble of both i definitely um I, i would say it was probably a jumble of both um there was a lot of names as you know, the Kickstarter contributions were coming through, and thank you um, so much for everyone that contributed to the Kickstarter because yeah. we definitely would not have been able to do this um, without that huge push at the beginning. Um, but I, I would say I recognize a lot of names, or we recognize a lot of the names that were coming through, people that we met at the last show. Um, so that was fantastic that people want to come back and see Josie's story again. But definitely, um, you know, we've gone. We got some great press last time. We did, we've done a couple um, events and things like that since then. So we've also kind of gotten a little bit of a new audience too, who's interested in seeing the show. So I, I do think, I agree with you that probably the first wave of guests will probably be a little bit heavier towards the people who have maybe seen the show and kind of want to experience kind of the, the plussed up, cool new version of it that, you know, the bigger, more impressive one. Um, but we still got a good a good number of new people, and I'm sure as the show continues on, that number will almost uh, like invert a little bit, where we'll start getting more and more new people, and maybe you know the the uh, not as high of a percentage of people who have seen the show, yeah. you know, as the as uh, we go through the month into December. Tickets go on sale for the general public when? Uh, Friday. Uh, what is the date? I think it's Friday, August twenty third. Yeah, Friday, August twenty third. Um, so they're so as this airs, like right now, so they're on sale right now for people who want to get them. Yeah, yeah go, go get it. Go, go there, thenestshow dot com. There should be a, there's a link right on the homepage. Yeah, and we did so we did a Kickstarter presale. We got um you know the people who participated in the presale they're starting to buy tickets now, but there'll definitely still be tickets available on Friday for the general public. So that'll like please like come check it out. Um, and there's a lot more information on the website. There's a little trailer. There's FAQ about, you know, advisories and questions about, you know, what the show's kind of like. Um, that can help people kind of decide if it's uh, the right show for them. Well, those are clear instructions for everybody. And the show opens on? September 20th. So right around the corner. So that's right, folks. Yeah. If you haven't yet, go to thenestshow.com, get those tickets because this is one you're not going to want to miss. Guys, thank you so much for taking time out of the night to jump on a call. Thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you so much, Noah. And again, thank you to everyone who backed the Kickstarter and kind of anyone who's come to see the previous show and like the hundreds and hundreds of people who supported us because uh, we wouldn't do this if no one cared, essentially. So thank you so much yeah, for, thank you. for all of your help and your love of the previous ride. It's just so great to check in with Jarrett, who was the last person to speak, and Jeff, uh, and to just watch this project come together over the years, uh, first the first time, and now just seeing it reemerge. Uh, we've been living for this. We've been living for the idea that the work that's been put in in the indie R&D phase uh, can keep on growing and become sustainable. So here we are. Um, And speaking of indie projects that grow and hopefully become sustainable, 
meet Jonathan Pettigo and Alex Leff of Bar of Dreams, Los Angeles. These guys are putting on a show in their apartment, uh, a surrealist, immersive comedy. And uh, just first up, content advisory, uh, there's explicit language throughout the whole thing. Um, uh, curse words drop left and right. So if you've got sensitive ears around, plug them up, uh, make them go away and, and, and break out. This is almost like an after dark uh, edition. Um, you know, I first met Jonathan at, uh, and you're going to hear a bit of the story at, uh, although I don't remember all the details. He was saying, so was like, you were doing this. I was like, I was um, like, okay, improv class. Sure. Um, uh, at a, uh, workshop <laughs> brain words, no good at a workshop, uh, that Jeff worth, uh, who's been on the show, uh, which I had Kent by his brain, I could say, episode such and such. Uh, Jeff Worth, who was on the show, uh, Jonathan and I met at uh, a workshop that Jeff was doing. And then I just started seeing Jonathan around everywhere. I already knew about Bar of Dreams uh, because they were up in Massachusetts and had been on the East Coast no pro. Uh, thanks. I think Catherine helped hunt them down. Uh, who else would have? That's what she does, which is amazing. And... Um, the bar of, bar of Dreams is so much fun. I was so shocked and surprised and delighted. And uh, really still, it, one of my fondest memories this year of doing Immersive, uh, it's very interactive. Uh, it, there, it, takes, it takes a lot of what you give to it. So whatever what you give, you get out of it. It's kind of like that scenario. Like the more you give, uh, the more you're going to get out of it. And it's just... It's in, it was in my wheelhouse in a real, real way. Uh, this conversation we have is a delight. Uh, we get into sort of the backstory of Alex and John's relationship. We talk a lot about pranks, uh, a lot about pranks. We, you're going to get three stories about three pranks. Um, and I felt like that kind of, that really gives so much of the spirit of what they do, even without talking directly about the show. So you're going to get a sense of who you're dealing with. And then in the middle of that, we get into some serious the- theory. When we talk about game theory, we talk about ludonarrative disco- uh, dissonance. Um, this is this is a this is just a fun conversation to have, uh, and I hope you enjoy listening in on it as much as I think we did having it. So here we go: Jonathan Pettigo and Alex Leff of Bar of Dreams, Los Angeles. <laughs> We're just going to stumble into it. So, guys, thanks for having me over uh, to mm. the apartment when it isn't the Bar of Dreams. Um, for those who don't know what Bar of Dreams LA, I'll tag that on because that's uh, the official title, uh, is uh, what what the hell is this thing? Oh. <laughs> what is it? Hmm. Tell the people. Didn't know we were going to have to reveal that. <laughs> well, well it, We both describe it differently in great ways. Oh, okay. So I'll I'll give a sentence and he can give a sentence or something. Okay. Uh, you guys want to like exquisite corpse this? So like one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, one sentence. Let's do that. John, <laughs> right. we'll start with you. That's this is John's going to start and then Alex is going to go. So if you want to identify people, people want to track whose voice is what. So yeah. John, gotcha, gotcha. I'm John. Uh, an immersive economy experience where we create a space where everyone can play and joke around. Oh God, that was good. That was good. Yeah, it's essentially a, a social. Uh, night out on the town 
with friends and strangers uh, experiencing three different worlds that are in the subconscious of this uh, bizarre bartender and his even more bizarre friend. So the whole setup is the idea that you're entering into the dreams of, yeah. of one guy and uh, who's got this bar in his dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you stumble into this? Because I know there's a good story here because you've told it for uh, me before. Yeah. So like, tell, tell the story of how this show came about because sure. you didn't start off doing it here in LA. You no, were back no, east. No. Yeah. So I'll, this whole I'll, thing was a terrible accident. <laughs> it was all a series of terrible accidents. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just give a quick... Uh, before Alex is involved, yes, portion yes. of what it is. Yeah, uh, I loved immersive theater so much. Traveled the country, seeing as much as I could, and I wanted to show my friends why I was excited about it. Um, so I put together something that was a kind of like an immersive theater sampler that had everything in it. it had drinks, you know, that's some cool part of immersive theater I like. Um, it had atmosphere. It was dark sometimes. It was like surreal, a little bit surreal, not you know real life. Um, and there was interactivity, and sometimes some puzzles and. And you can also talk in the fact that you can actually talk to actors. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to package all that into one thing um, and show it to my friends. That was, that was all I wanted to do mm-hmm. to start mm-hmm. off. And then Alex sees the show and stuff. And then Well, yeah. Well, so, so I was living in Massachusetts. Well, we went to college together, Hampshire College. Yes. It almost uh, crashed and burned this year, but luckily they're saving it. If anyone out there is a Hampshire alum. Um, and so we graduate. I live in Massachusetts. John goes to New York, and then he moves back in with me, and he's like, hey, man, I really want to do an immersive theater show in our apartment. This is, like, the end of 2017. And I was like, I have no idea what that is, and no, you cannot do that in our apartment. (laughs) And he's like, well, fine, I'll do it in my bedroom. And I can't really stop him. So, yeah, he does this. I mean, you could, but you didn't. (laughs) Right. Well, there's there's only so much you can stop this guy with. This is not the first time he's wrote me into something that started out as very bizarre, but then became fun. Um, and yeah, he was just doing this like very early beta version of just like the first show was like three and a half hours of just John in his bedroom with me and like a couple other friends, like, and he was making up a lot of it as he went along, but trying to just like explain what immersive theater could be. And, uh, I slowly just like started helping out more and more. And I forget like exactly what the point was where we really were like okay this is a show we could like put on for other people we, it was when people from Novrosinium found the show in massachusetts yeah listed and came to it and we we had no idea who these people were we had no idea who these people were but they were coming on road trips and uh yeah from like and we were like two hours west of boston in the woods yeah and so this is like not a place people normally travel to and it was just our friends that were coming um and we posted on no proscenium i had no idea what that was and uh, John did and then like when some random people from like New York and Boston actually came to our apartment We were like what? and then then feel like and they felt like they thought it was exciting too That that was what we thought was crazy like people are not only coming yeah. but they think it's exciting and then the, afterwards They would say weird stuff like oh you guys should open it up I know some people in with a big warehouse coming on out to blah blah and I'll put this up warehouse. We're like what what did that guy just say to us? So it seemed like people were really excited about this and people had resources and um they they had access to resources. People were excited about it. They had access to resources. Yeah, yeah. And we were kind of trying to. We we didn't realize this, but our, our entire friendship has been had been building up to that yes, moment. Yes, true. Because when we first met, John had graduated, but he uh, wasn't ready for the real world, so he like lived in our living room of our college dorm, 
And he just like just want, yeah, just keep the mic close to it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I'm Testing you one, two, three. Yeah, no, you're good. Just keep. Just, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, John's just living in the living room. Mm-hmm. We had a whole semester of shenanigans. That's how I met this guy. He was just this guy that my friends knew was living in the living room. And every morning he'd like, well, he'd sleep like two in the afternoon. I'd wake him up with like blasting a Beyonce song to his <laughs> face. Um, and we just like became friends, started doing these characters uh, just like for ourselves. And mm-hmm. then we got into stand up together. And the characters that we were doing like now four or five years ago ended up becoming some of the characters that are in Borrowed yeah. Dreams. Yeah. So this is like the fruition of a long collaboration. So what were you guys studying in college? Like, yeah, I, I was doing film. Okay. Mm-hmm. I studied emergent narrative and then uh, hyperlocal web spaces. Wow. That was way cooler sounding than mine. <laughs> so for a weird school. So <laughs> emergent narrative, I get what, hyperlocal web spaces. What's yeah, that's the, that was my, uh, I put a lot of bets on that horse. <laughs> hyperlocal uh, web spaces. So basically, hyperlocal is the idea that it's uh, technology web spaces built not for everywhere. Because, you know, Facebook is something that now is for everyone everywhere. Most web spaces are for everyone World everywhere. Worldwide web. Yeah. Don't think of it that way. Think of it, no, this web space is just for people in this neighborhood or in this uh, meetup.com group. Well, can or, I explain your first example? Sure. The... Yeah. Okay, so there was this website that was like the most trafficked website at Hampshire, more than Google, more than Facebook, called I See You Hampy. And you would post like these like uh, missed exchanges. Is that yeah, just, it was just an anonymous uh, An anonymous thing. And it, this was like huge. And, and the thing was that no one had any idea who the founder was or like who ran it, who moderated it. Mm. And there's all the speculation. And I had no idea. I used it all the time. And it wasn't until three years later, John revealed that it was him. Uh, and it was for like his so, thesis. So I need to shout out to JD, who is the founder of it, JD. Um, but I uh, took over afterwards and gotcha. turned it into a website. But you would like initiate people by anonymously reaching yeah. out to them, <laughs> telling he'd leave a slip in the mailbox, say like at noon, go to the library telephone, pick up, say you want to order a pizza. Yeah. And then I'll give you the information. So he had like a team of students at school that were working for this website that didn't know who they were working for. Yeah, it was really and fun. It, and and you, <laughs> kind of, you kind of create an alternate reality experience. It was kind of an ARG for yeah. this website that was popular. Which is like a misconnections, like yeah. me- anonymous message board yeah. for yeah. locals. So. Yeah. I mean, it is sort of a, I mean, it is sort of a shame that like the, the web, everything got collated and everything goes to these giant clearing houses because there is this alternate version of reality mm-hmm. where everything stayed kind of small right and there there could have been some just some protocols so it's like oh these sites i mean i guess was it mastodon like pe- like you guys know about mm-hmm. mastodon tell me oh i'm surprised you don't know about mastodon it's mastodon i it might still be around it, it tried to be kind of a, you know uh, a decentralized twitter this there's mm. a lot of this like in the in the wave post post the first couple years of twitter as people kind of got fed up with all the changes they were making, particularly when they would just start not letting third-party client software like talk to it anymore because mm-hmm. they wanted to drive everybody to their crappy desktop apps, which they keep on making worse and worse and worse. <laughs> Whereas I'm someone who uses TweetBot, and like I don't when I use Twitter, I don't get any ads, like mm-hmm. none whatsoever, and everything's exactly how I like it. Right. And you know, I spent ten dollars once five years ago, and like Twitter is perfect for mm-hmm. me. Uh, I mean, it's still filled with all the garbage that's in there, but it's not <laughs> algorithmically 
vomiting at me whatever you know the orange one is saying um people have to choose to show that to me yes. uh but then um mastodon was like well what if we decentralize that and what if yeah, everyone had like an, an, an instance uh and you can throw up an instance and you can throw up an instance and you get a little bit of this with discord um in fact i feel like discord maybe is like fulfilled that niche mm. that that people wanted because uh, the one problem i think with mastodon was that you someone someone out there correct me i think you needed a different handle for every server you were on and that mm. that distri- distribution of identity was kind of like a turnoff because one yeah. of the things that was gr- i think the thing that people like about twitter and particularly about facebook even though like oh boy facebook um is you don't have to think about using it right like they they lower the bar of entry Mm. really really low and you don't have to like remember your password and you are always you in that instance Mm. um which has some advantages it has some disadvantages too but you you definitely don't have to like you know reorient yourself when you're going from like room to room to room yeah it's mindless yeah it's mindless which is how how they want it and in some ways you know there needs there needs to be some mindless internet Mm -hmm. but all we have is mindless internet for the most part, right? Like there's some spaces where yeah. there's more thought going it's, into it's it. It's what gets the most money with the advertisement and then it gets advertised the best and you need you need a critical mass of users to make any social network interesting. So yeah. it's it's hard to have middle ground. You can't have like something with 30% of people on it um, because people want to go to where 100% of people are on it. So therefore you need to have the most popular website and you go on to it. So how yeah. how does someone who's who's interested in alternate reality right. experiences and, and hyper-local websites. So the other part of that was the emergent narrative. So yeah. how, how do you wind up at immersive theater? So I loved uh, interactive social spaces, whether they're games or chat rooms uh, on the internet. Um, back before immersive theater, I thought the only way to get people to interact with each other, <laughs> sadly, was via technology. <laughs> but then I found that people were... Um, or the way to design how people interact with each other is through technology. But then I found uh, immersive theater and I started singing. I was like, oh my God, these people are designing social spaces in real life. Not only that, but they're paying money to go see it. Um, and so I was designing a lot of multiplayer games um, that were a lot of fun. I loved the games I made, but um, I realized the things I wanted to do, which was connect people in certain ways and kind of make things just get ridiculous and just dramatic drama. Mm-hmm. Um, was easier without technology. It was easier mm. just with people in a room and kind of like leading them to, to do something. And um, you didn't know that, uh, you, or you knew that you wanted to do that even before immersive theater because, but the avenue Yeah, you I took, called it designing social context. Well, is it. that what you had in mind when you would prank the crap out oh, of us? Oh, right. Pranks were also something I love to do. Because this guy, it's almost terrifying, yeah. the, the pranks that he would, <laughs> he would do like uh, throughout school. And like, for example, he graduated, he left... Uh, he visited me the summer before the new semester was starting up. He came to visit me in Philadelphia where I was living. And he's like, hey, man, my job in New York is about to be like really busy. I'm probably not going to see you till like Thanksgiving. Um, and then he left. He was just planting the seed that he was going to be gone. And so orientation rolls around at the beginning of the semester. And we see this guy wearing like clearly this fake wig and like sunglasses and fake mustache, dressed like a skater walking around campus. And he just like is there for a whole week. And me and my friends are kind of like, who the hell is this guy? Like, it's kind of a weird school, so people dress weird already. And he, like, comes up to us once in a while, just, like, says some stupid stuff. 
and I just don't like this guy. Um, and it never occurs to me that it could possibly be John because he told me I'm gonna be gone. So he's wearing he's wearing a wig, yeah. glasses, sunglasses, and like a an fake, emo wig, yeah. an emo wig, yeah. sunglasses, and like a and fake like mustache, a, like a winter yes. hat, a winter hat to really press the wig down. I mean, John is not a short man; he's not average height. So like. You know, you didn't go like all, oh, it's clearly John. Well, so we're, we're sitting around with my friends at orientation uh, for like, there's like this big banquet thing. And this yeah. guy, John of the Skies, who I don't know, comes up to me and like a dozen friends and he's just like, hey, uh, is the food free? And I'm like, that's some shit that like John would say. Oh my God. And, this, and then this, he, some, this is some Clark Kent is Superman no <laughs> type stuff. And we were joking, like yelling his name as he was like walking away. And apparently he later told me that he had his hand on the smoke yeah, grenade. So I had a smoke bomb I bought from a magician before oh I did this trick. Uh, <laughs> oh who, who, in case they ever found me, I was going to drop the smoke which would bomb and terrible. run away. Which would have been terrible. <laughs> like there, this is, all the parents are there, the administration's there. But so a week goes by. You were graduated at this point, so luckily they can't take your degree away. Right, <laughs> right. Whatever. Right, right. The school doesn't exist anymore. Anyway, it almost so. doesn't exist. Yeah. It's hanging on there. <laughs> Ken Burns, save us, love God. But um, so a week goes <laughs> Ken by. Bur- was Ken Burns a graduate? He, he, he went to school. school. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's our only, Anglopia no longer. That, but that's it. And the guy that those, made those are, those are Two pretty good ones. And yeah, Eugene Merman. Oh, Eugene Merman. That's three? Okay. Okay. Can we get a fourth? Go uh, four. What's four, four. Jason Krasdan? Well, Matt is in the immersive world. Uh, oh, Matt uh, Leibowitz, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Sorry for your last but name. It, but um, <laughs> so a week goes by. It's Shout this party. And uh, everyone's kind of acting like weird to me that night and like looking at me a lot which and 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 they're like hey like alex how are you doing you are you good and i'm like yeah yeah and then so my brother went to school me too and we're playing beer pong and we're taking turns and all of a sudden this guy sean <laughs> people, oh right it's it's this disguised man that people are referring to as sean he goes and he pushes my younger brother out of the way and just starts throwing uh ping pong balls into my cup and i'm like dude like what <laughs> like get out of here and I'm, i hate this guy but, like, no one's, like, helping me out. Everyone's just kind of smiling at me. And I'm like, what? 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 And, like, a friend's like, oh, my God. And I just realized, like, something about reality is not right. I have to completely reassess. And the second I realize I have to do that, I look at this man and I realize, oh, it's John. It's John the fucking <laughs> mustache. Yeah. Did, did everyone, was everyone else in on it? And it at was that just, point, yeah, everyone else had found it. Slowly out. Revealing, everyone, else, everyone else had figured it out. I, well, yes. I was, I was the finale. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was the finale. He often is the finale of the pranks. And then there's another one like six months later. There's, so there's, there's a chance that Bar of Dreams LA, this whole thing is just a big a prank on Alex. Prank. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. Well, no. It's, he a, knows. it's a big prank on Alex. No, it's okay, not because you agreed. Okay, well, right. so there's I had another, to make an agreement. Well, yeah, well, he can't <laughs> prank me anymore. And that's why we got into this because he's not allowed to prank me. So if he wants to yeah. uh, do weird <laughs> stuff with me, it's got to be this show. It's got to be it's gotta be. Co-creation. You, be- you cannot be the butt of the joke. Anymore. Exactly. Oh my so, god. Uh, there's an, there's another prank that's even crazier. I don't know like how many details. Why? Are Let's go for it. I'm, okay. I'm so into this. This we have not done. We haven't had a. We haven't had this in a while. So okay. go for it. All right. So I'm telling the I'm telling. We'll the, do the intellectual I don't even know stuff. We'll, go, we'll do the intellectual stuff later. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I want the story. Uh, this this is intellectual too for the planning that went into it. So it, it's spring break. Uh, okay, and I'm going to South Carolina with friends again. John's graduated. It's been like two years now. Uh, <laughs> you have a job. You have a life. Girlfriend. The whole nine yeah, years. Yeah, actually, yes. All yeah, of not those a girlfriend things. yet at the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Didn't, okay. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> we we'll have to figure this out right now. So <laughs> we we have uh, all the friends are together at this house that we rented, and we're eating pizza. 
Um, and all of a sudden, this man knocks on the door, opens up, and it's another, another pizza delivery man. This time from Little Caesars. But we already got pizza from like Domino's or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, yo, uh, you all ordered a pizza? And I'm like, no, no, we didn't. He's like, yeah, yeah, it says you ordered this pizza. Um, like reads our address and everything. And I'm like, no, no, no. And basically, long story short, like 20 minutes goes by of this guy like insisting. It like heightens. He's getting like he's like getting angry. And I'm thinking like, is this a prank? But the, it's not. The neighbor comes over, says he ordered it. And then says, you guys can just have it. Just kidding. Well, he like, and he's like, prank. yeah. And the guy, I mean, there's so many chapters to this the guy's like, can I just come and use your bathroom? Can I like get a glass of water? And he like won't leave. Oh yeah. And then he says the boss, you guys need to pay for this. My boss is coming. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is so <laughs> stupid. And like, it's just like, it's a bunch of college kids. Are they like ripping us off? And then finally someone's like, wait a second, guys, like little Caesars doesn't deliver. And I'm like, all right, this guy's got to get out of our apartment right now. And so I take him outside and he, uh, looks at me he's like hey you're alex left right like you made a film that was at the colorado environmental film festival <laughs> and i was like what yeah i was there what? Like, yeah i was there he was like yeah I was th- yeah and i was like what and then he's like yeah well just thought i'd tell you that anyway my manager's coming the manager comes and it's our other friend from school i, I, I immediately realized what's happening john pulls up in a pickup truck wearing all camo Ford F-150, yeah, where I had to make sure I was fully disguised. And uh, and he pranked us all. And uh, Wait, John was the manager in Ford F-150? No, there was another, oh, another friend. He was oh. the like manager of the manager. Oh, okay. Anyway, we, we freak out. <laughs> this, this is like the boring part of the story because once you hear actually like the behind the scenes, it's even crazier. Because he didn't – do you want to tell this Sure, part? sure, yeah. So, yeah, my idea was like I'm just going to go to South Carolina without asking any of them where they are and I'm going to find out where they are. That was my only plan initially. Um, and then, of course, once I find out where you are, I have to pull a prank on you. <laughs> so me and Gabe go there. I, I ask our friend Gabe to help me out. And I ask my friends from Chicago to come out uh, if they want to stay at this hotel that I'm buying. So John and Gabe fly from New York to South Carolina. Yeah. John's high school friends drive from Chicago to South Carolina. <laughs> and then, yeah, we, we, we find them at the Frisbee meet that they were at. So I, I Google, tournament. I find their team on like... On whatever.com, I find their team. I'm like, okay, they're meeting at these different times for the games. And so then I try to find the Hampshire van that they drive from Hampshire. And uh, Gabe throws a GPS tracker inside of it. Well, you, okay, he finds, oh a, he finds the van. The window on the van's down. Yeah. He takes John's iPhone, wraps it in a handkerchief, yeah. puts it in the glove compartment. So for three days, they can track our location. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, we, and meanwhile, <laughs> in the hotel, no one's looking at me like I'm crazy. This right is now. this is so much, so much effort for the joke. It was I'm, so fun. I actually love it. It I was love so it. Yeah. fun. Honestly, without the prank, it was so much fun. So, and at the hotel room, he would like show his friends pictures of us on Facebook, saying like, yeah. "If you see these guys, this is them." And you'd like see us at like a CVS. Yeah, we found them at a CVS. Uh, yeah, cause we were at a Starbucks talking about what we were gonna do to you guys. Then you guys actually drive. Uh, to the Starbucks? I'm not sure what happened. Jesus. Or to the CVS Jesus. right across the street. And I am I see you guys across the street. I'm like, oh my God, that's them. We got to get out of here. And we run and we hide in the back of this Ford F-150 for like 20 minutes, like huddled up together. <laughs> but yeah, so they finally find us. And the thing is, is like, it's a prank that no one's feelings are hurt. We're all happy to see him. Yeah. And we get to all hang out together now. Yeah. Which is very different from the time he tricked me into thinking he time traveled yeah. <laughs> to the White House correspondence dinner. That... That's where he crossed the line. Uh, okay, yeah, and yeah, he had to yeah, promise okay, okay. me. He made me. He made me question the reality of time and space, like, like, a, like a moron. And he, 
Oh, yeah, okay, okay. I got to hear this it. This is the I last one. I got to hear it, yeah. Because there's also another one where we pranked his girlfriend at the time. No, no, let's, let's, she's not, they're not here, so only in the room. Okay, okay. Time travel to the White House correspondent. Like, is it? It, it, it's, it seems to be particularly fun to prank because you seem like you're willing to... Yeah, he is, he is good not, to prank. He, he likes control and like likes planning. So mm, interruptions, don't mess up. interruptions are... He can't handle them. But he's also, at the end of the day, except for this last prank, he, he's like, oh, that was funny. And he's good. It's the way you design the prank. I, yeah. like. I like, you know, well, historically, I've liked things to be a certain way. I want to control everything with film. You can edit little every yeah. little thing until you finally present it. And I felt very uncomfortable with like anything going off the rails. So we'll we'll revisit that uh, in a minute. Uh, let's let's pick that up right after this prank. Because actually, you know what? Hold on, hold the prank. Because at some point, someone's going to be like, "Oh, I want to get that." Let's talk about doing immersive theater, particularly something. Uh, th- there's structure here, right? So the guys, you guys pitch it as like a social thing, but they, there's definitely structure. Yeah. And but there's also there's a lot of improv. And you're traditionally a person who likes things to be structured, a filmmaker. You like control. How are you adapting to <laughs> this format creatively? Great question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like John has a, you have a really interesting way of explaining like the way we try to make parameters. So Bar Dreams does have a structure that we try to take care of the audience the whole time. And like there is a, a formula that the show goes through, but... At any moment, there's you know so many different like ways that people can kind of fill those spaces. Yeah, there's cause there's a squishy amount of agency here, right? There's yeah. there's 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 a lot of ways. There's a general thrust for how a dream mm. will go. You only have so many options. I think it helps if you kind of know the elements of the dream. Like if you know the elements of the dream. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, and I know that mm-hmm. it's kind of modular, so things can change anyway. So I could yeah. mention something, and it'd be like, "Oh, well, that's not in that anymore." Mm-hmm. But if you know the elements of the dream, you're able to kind of run with it a little, a little farther, uh, like I did for the the third part. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, kudos, yeah, kudos, um, that was stand out. Yeah, I gotta admit, I was actually fishing for that right there because, I, and I just, <laughs> I, would, I would love to explain that sequence, well, but I, I don't. And I don't we want can to. say we, we've decided the ways we can talk about the three different dreams we have now is the labyrinth, the guru, and the funeral. Yeah. So for the fu- that's great. So for the funeral, those are also really great um, descriptors of those. So for the funeral, you know, you you wind up endowed with a character, uh, you. You, you might know that character. You might know that character really well. And you get to, to that character. Yeah. You, were in yeah you can, you can, you can run with it if you want to. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also going to be people who like don't know the characters only glancingly know the characters. But that was something that I really enjoyed was having that option to run with it. And indeed, getting you john to like crack up like i started trying to like <laughs> thank break, you bro- break you. you broke here it was, it was I, I didn't fully break it yeah there, there but i was trying with every effort in my body yeah to, to not i was i was pushing him you should have seen after I mean, I, you I left hear from the, you should have yeah. seen after you left i walk over to him and uh, to alex and i look at him like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a what the fuck face yeah, yeah. Noah, noah took a prompt that uh participants are given and he uh he gave a pretty beautiful speech in the funeral it's it's quite the eulogy yeah so i mean that scene is so much fun to do because that's when people really get to surprise you with whatever they want um and 
the opening is key because if someone doesn't know anything about that world, I need to teach them what to say uh, or maybe remind them of some yeah. things. They've probably been exposed to it in some way. And then also give them the confidence that what they just said is something to say yeah. um, later. Yeah. Like what they said is great and beautiful and to actually have confidence and do it because if people that don't know the world, they won't know. Yeah. Um, and also for people that are <laughs> going crazy, for people that some people are ready to go. You were ready to go. I had to kind of make sure you knew the setting and stuff and what you were supposed to do. But other than that, you were ready to go. I didn't need to have to wind you up at all. But yeah. some, a lot of people need different winding up. Yeah. Um, I took one look at you. I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. And it was, it, you know, pure improv, not premeditated. That voice came out of nowhere. <laughs> that was that. That was probably took it yeah, to the next like level. You yeah. did a lot of great improv, but the voice <laughs> took it to the next level where yeah. I wasn't sure what was. I, I, I yeah, that it, was the thing that was breaking you a little bit. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like, and I and, and why <laughs> would be choice. why would be that of all things? Like, I <laughs> I don't worked. know, but it, it worked. worked. Yeah. Gosh, it worked. Well, what, what was interesting is you you changed the tone of that scene. That that scene the the tone of that scene is normally the tone I present, um, mm. which is kind of like somber, like laughing isn't necessarily what you're supposed to be doing and like this is something very uh that we we are taking very seriously right but your character it, which, and it's absurdist to be taking that exactly like it, it's a funeral kind of the whole yeah that's like the comedy that we're trying to go for yeah. with the show is like i don't think i think it would be hard we've, we've talked a lot about like what it would mean to have an immersive comedy um and if it's a show that's putting pressure on anyone to make punchlines, it'd be a terrible oh yeah experience no. yeah and so we just essentially like take ridiculous scenarios very seriously mm -hmm. i kind of I, I like to think like there was this uh cathedral that i remember going to in like sixth grade and there was these beautiful murals painted of like naked women you know in the classical sense and i was 12 and i thought that was like the funniest thing <laughs> i ever seen in my life and i just the the feeling of like wanting to laugh so badly but i have yeah, to take right, this right, seriously right. yeah uh, is kind of like the tension that Th that's the tension we've been going for since the beginning since the beginning of our comedy and um in college together is like this is is this funny because it seems like i'm supposed to take this seriously and it, there's a there's a there's a uh a play that happens yeah. inside of someone like uh a fight a battle and yeah. that's what's hilarious it's like in your your classroom you'll get in trouble trouble if you're laughing yeah that's so it makes it funnier if you're in the basement of a sleepover and you know your mom's making sure that you're not supposed to be too loud yeah it makes everything funnier it makes little little tiny everything is funny that's the immersive comedy to us i mean i i found myself yeah. kind of feeling at times like almost like a python-esque hmm. like a monty python-esque hmm. vibe just because it of the it, you know with them the scenarios would always be here's here's a here's a you know, real scenario like you guys talk about like you know like here's a funeral or here's you know visiting a, a guru but like there's just this bent right there's like okay we're gonna take this thing and we're gonna bend mm -hmm. it so that you can you can wind up just being like this is just so absurd and i think like we're i think bar dreams of humor is the inverse of monty python in a lot of ways but but you're totally right and we thought about that like so with um the holy grail and with wife of brian those are like serious historical events that the characters are being ridiculous in. Yeah. And Bar of Dreams is, even though funeral is a very serious word, it's kind of a ridiculous funeral for yeah. a ridiculous character. So it's it's all these ridiculous worlds that are not supposed to be taken seriously, but we're taking them very seriously. Yeah. And yeah. that and that 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 mirror image winds up being how you wind up like Yeah. Like I think I think you're right. It's 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 like it's the it's the flip side of it, but thus it kind of lands in the same space for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of mm. like, you know, the 
celebrating the surreality, right? Yeah. Like celebrating the absurdities of life and, and that sort of like you're talking about like in the classroom, like you, you just can't help but laugh. It makes me think of, um, it was high school. We, we, uh, our theater, uh, our theater class, uh, sometimes had to share the theater with, uh, the, um, the, the choir, right? So the choir, and the choir was, was there's overlap. usually, yeah, the overlap choir was usually next door, but they got to come into the theater. The theater was our only space. So like when the choir was coming into rehearse, we, we just, we couldn't do anything. Like we had nowhere to go. So we just sat and would like watch them like rehearse. Like that was, that was the thing for the day. But then one day the choir teacher, like uh larger gentleman and like he, he ran up and jumped up on the stage and split his pants open. <laughs> and oh, no. we all, our, our theater teacher, Roger Anderson, uh, rest in peace. Uh, he, he just stood up walked straight to his room <laughs> the rest of us were like and then, and then a little bit later on when they were gone like walk into to rogers rogers office which is right off the side and he was just crying laughing. Oh, oh, like okay. it was just it was like we were all because because the choir teacher was like particularly kind of a kind of a difficult kind of pompous dude he, to deal so with he didn't think it was funny he didn't quite, know quite, oh, he didn't oh, know he pants, pants pants guy didn't know oh my god split, so, split right so yeah back. you don't want to tell him for right in the reason. back no so why yeah, would we tell him you, everyone can't why? bust out laughing because then it'd no. be like yeah. so no. interesting so and that I, that's where the suppression and comes then i from. wouldn't remember it 20 years later so like yeah, yeah like yeah that suppression wow. of like oh we cannot let him know he right. did it we can't embarrass and, this guy. And we don't he, want to embarrass him. No, we did, well we I mean he was embarrassing himself. Like and like <laughs> right. but we didn't we, we didn't want him to know. stop. We did, right. I we think that was the, that cruelty okay. of teenagers. Okay. We did not want him to stop and take care <laughs> of it because good. he was being so you know, he was often uh-uh with us, you know, just for existing, even though he was in our space. And he was like being very like, you know, you know, overly overbearing with uh, his students was just 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 the biggest rip in his pants. <laughs> it was and that's interesting glorious. too, because like, yeah. When so when you're a kid, um, and authority's taking itself seriously, there's nothing yeah. better than to laugh at that. But yeah. now that we're adults, and we are creating yeah. the seriousness ourselves, uh, we have to, to learn think. how to like laugh at ourselves. Otherwise, right, right, right. we're just it's just we're gonna wait for some like punk kids seriously. at a Seven Eleven to laugh make at fun us. of us, right? Yeah, yeah. So how, bringing it back, you <laughs> as filmmaker, how do you adapt to this sort of off the roundness. Are you are you are you getting used to it yet? Are you loving it at this well, point? Well, think about Jeff Worth. Think about uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. So yeah, we uh, yeah. So definitely, let's give Jeff Worth a shout, shout out. out to Jeff and, Worth. and yeah, th- there needs to be a shout out section because there's uh, what so we many people have helped so us. many people in the immersive community like the sideshow safe house. Shout out to sideshow has has like, just been so so loving and open armed to us. Uh, coming in just a year ago, like knowing literally no one in LA, especially in immersive. Yeah, we like didn't know anyone coming yeah, here. Yeah, let's tell that part of the story. Like yeah. you guys, you just picked up sticks and moved to Los Angeles. Well, okay, well, so if we're gonna tell this, <laughs> we just need to mention one key event. We, we're doing the show afterward in Massachusetts, and afterwards the two of us would like decompress at uh, Fitzwillie's and have a plate of nachos, and uh, we were both like eating the nachos and just kind of getting excited. And by the end of the meal, we had decided to move to L.A. And we moved out like a month later. And I was like, literally never in my life did I think I was going to move to Los Angeles. You were planning on living in Northampton for a couple more years, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and w- I mean, I so I am I'm the kind of person that historically has, you know, plans a lot of my life. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm like planning my day. And I have this, 
uh, regimented uh, way of like viewing myself and like my expectations for things. And I think that's very different from John. John's yes. like an agent of chaos. Yeah. Um, Thrive in chaos. And but he's a very loving agent of chaos. So uh, by kind of like bending what I was ready with and twisting the expectations um, and showing that that's ultimately like it's always going to be more fun. And that ulti- also like so Jeff Worth, uh, who's, you know, the Yoda of immersive theater and we studied with <laughs> uh, for a little bit of time. Uh, he always talks about how like whenever something goes wrong or goes not expected, your response can always be awesome. You know, like so, and, and I think that's like just such a radically different way to experience like creating a, a piece of art, uh, and also just like living your life. Just like, damn, this is not this is not what I wanted, and like you can get upset or just be like, ah, okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we had a lot more content and l- much less space for audience members to begin Original. when when Bar Dream mm. started. It, it came from a series of monologues that I had with different characters and they just kind of saw the monologues and I would give a little moment where they would toss me something or uh, make me a present or something. Just very simple, easy interactions. Because we wanted um, to tell a story. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I mean, storytelling versus experience giving, that's oh. a big thing we learned uh, design philosophy-wise over time. Um, but I always wanted to add more interaction over time and it was really hard to figure out. Um, let's, let's, let's dial into that. Okay. Statement right there: storytelling versus experience yeah. giving. How would you how would you contrast those okay. two? Um, so storytelling, when you want to tell a story, uh, historically from the dawn of time, stories are told to give a message, give a moral of the story. And if you so, if you want to tell a story, you you should probably have some message that you're trying to tell um, or something you're trying to do with it. And if you uh, so, if you want to, and, and so if you want to effectively convey that message, you probably want to control most parts of it. Um, to, to most effectively convey it and control the audience's attention, you know, on the screen or if you're like doing live storytelling, however you command their attention to specific points of the plot, use foreshadowing, use pacing, use missing scene if you're in a film, control, control over a lot of elements to most effectively portray what you wanted to uh, do. And when, when you're giving an, ex- or when you're asking the audience to be a participant instead and start interacting with your work, that control you have goes away. And so um, it can be really difficult to tell a story effectively, um, though there are ways. And some really good immersive pieces have figured out how to control audiences' attention while also commanding like a story and making that the effective part of their piece. Um, and you almost have to make a choice um, because yeah. we wanted it to be interactive and we found the more we were opening it up, for audience participation, the harder it was for them to focus on the story we wanted to tell. Right. So, so dial yeah. into the experience giving because okay, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting way of yeah. of putting it, and I think that's worth exploring. For sure. So, so storytelling. When I talk about storytelling, just to go back, I mean, uh, not st- like story is different than storytelling. To me, storytelling is you know exactly what you want. There's lots of plot. You know how it ends and blah blah blah. Um, story is different. Story worlds are different. Um, those are things that can exist in experiences um, and everywhere. I mean, story just happens without us trying. Like we just watch a, a squirrel jump on a leaf or something. We come up with stories or blah blah blah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, stories are. It's just like w- there's. It's like the Muriel Rus- uh, Muriel Rusker 
oh boy, I messed up the name, uh, poem, time comes into it, say it, say it, the universe is made of stories, not of atoms, mm-hmm. right? So like it's just, it's right. a, it's it's what humans do. Yeah, humans we, we're always create looking stories. For we're always inventing Could, them and looking yeah. at it, little narratives, micro-narratives everywhere. Um, and so really it comes down to what is the effective part of your piece. Uh, movies, effectively, it's obviously the story and the experience of having a story told to you which isn't an experience. Um, but when, I think when you're doing interactive work, like video games, LARPs, immersive theater, all of these interactive mediums, um, what the effective piece, e- what's easier to make the effective piece is the experience. The experience of uh, being in, like surrounded by a realized environment. Um, the experience of interacting with another human being and connecting with them in a certain way. The experience of going on stage and like making people laugh uh like or the, yeah the exp- i mean there's all sorts of experiences i mean you can name any immersive experience yeah. and you're like oh that's the experience and when i think when you walk away from peace you should really think about yourself think about think about was that the was the effective piece the story that was told to me or was the effective piece the experience that i had because i think separating those two th- those those two things are really uh, important to like so we can discuss this stuff yeah and when you're creating it you want to make sure you understand what is really affecting your audience. Yeah, it's, it feels like it's it's good things to have in the, the toolkit yeah. because sometimes you can balance it too much on story and suddenly you feel like you're getting an exposition dump. Mm. And, you know, and, and I think about it like, you know, in your own life when one of your friends is giving you an exposition dump, like depending on where you are, it can be just kind of exhausting, yeah. you know, particularly yeah. if like, you know, it's, the second or third time they've told you that story. You're like, like, I know, I know like you were drunk the last time you told me that. So, uh, it's like just the camsters going around and around and around. But if you're, if you're dialed into the qualitative aspects of like, how are the people interacting? Like what's this thing going on between the people? Then things emerge, right? Like this Mm -hmm. chance for there to be emergent narrative. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talk in game. I'm sure you know this, John, about like ludo narrative. Yeah, ludo narrative dissonance. Yes. Yes. Particularly with the dissonance, right? So, I mean, that's the the dissonance part is is massive because I'll see <clears throat> that sometimes in immersive where you'll have you'll have a bit where like they're telling you to run, but there's physically no way to run. Mm. Like what the what the what the space is requiring you to do yeah. and what the story wants you to do are are diametrically opposed, and that is painful. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes just literally like it causes pain, uh, at least emotionally, sometimes, sometimes physical pain as well. If you like run into a wall or something, <laughs> so run narrative dissonance is when the, uh, story that's being told to you is very different from your experience of how to engage with it. How or, do you or even like, that? like in, okay. So the, the, a classical, <laughs> classical, a classical example is, um, Grand Theft Auto four, mm-hmm. right. You know, and you're playing Nico. And like Nico's trying so hard to be like, you know, good, right? Like he doesn't want to be the the crime, you know, right. killer that he was, you know, back in the old country. Mm-hmm. And yet all the missions and then, of course, all the times you're just driving around the yeah. city, like all you're doing is laying waste and slaughtering hundreds of people left and right. Yeah. And the story is telling you that you're you're trying to be a good guy and everything you do is the acts of a sociopath right like yeah. you yeah. you are a psycho and there's not much agency in there to like when you're dr- when you're doing grand theft auto and you're like following the rules like you're stopping at every stoplight or something it doesn't give you these feedback loops that uh, really allow for that type of play 
Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's definitely mm. not encouraging you yeah. to follow the traffic laws. Like if anything, it's encouraging you not to because yeah. then you're going to lose. So if you try and do if you try and follow what the story is telling you, uh you will mess up the game. That's where the dissonance is. Gotcha. Yeah. And so in in when, when game designers talk about ludo narrative dissonance, it's really like are, is the messaging is the story or the values that I'm trying to bake into this thing are my game mechanics are my scenarios working against that? Yeah. Right. And that's something that, I mean, when we talk about making this stuff, you know, um, I feel like we, we don't talk cross discipline enough. We don't, yeah. I think we don't, we don't, I think particularly in LA because we're so rooted in like in New York, they're rooted in dance. And yeah. so you'll get a lot of like, you know, the kinesthetics of it all. And that can really move you in a certain way pun kind of intended and here in LA because it's folks you know who've come up through film or they've come up through you know pretty heavily narrative you know related stuff we don't we don't necessarily come at it in, in a game sense in the same way and 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 when you get into like the escape room world, there's a lot of focus on puzzle. Yeah. Um, but you can always tell the spots where like they're figuring out how to tell that story. Yeah. It's through annoying. the puzzling. Yeah. Uh, and and it's very it's 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 inth- it's incredibly difficult. It's it's very difficult, and it's such a wonder when it happens. Yeah. And yet, it's also funny to me because people get sick of the word immersive, and it gets slapped slapped on everything. But then when I'm listening to like waypoint which is vice's video game podcast you know they'll just be very you know like oh my favorite genre is immersive sim and what they mean is like you know where, where your characters are walking around the world right. and like like there's no there's no angst over the i word there right. it's it's a genre and those immersive sims whether you're talking about what became of edith finch or gone home mm. they or firewatch they are incredibly influential to things like sleep no more and vice versa yeah. and and that relationship is there Here's this world that's been built that you can move through this world uh, and it's going to respond authentically. And the way you judge immersive sim in a video game is how authentically does it respond? Grand Theft Auto is an immersive sim. And the the dissonance part comes from the fact that the narrative it's trying to tell you and the mechanics are are clashing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it tells you a story like, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas less ludo narrative dissonance because what the character's trying to do and who he's trying mm. to be um is more in line with what it's asking you to do even if he's a reluctant you know a reluctant kind of anti-hero it's it's a little bit more in line yeah no have you played return of oberdin no uh, yeah. i've i've heard yeah. i've heard of it um and people i, mean, I don't get nearly as much game time in yeah. as i used to I although i was up <laughs> I was maybe up to five in the morning because I remembered that I have Civ six on my iPad and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and next thing I know, yeah. I'm just saying Japan's doing really good right now. <laughs> yeah, Age of Empires two. Age of Empires two is our game. We use it to yeah. warm up sometimes. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> we like to add drama in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. It's all about betraying each other and stuff. Yeah. So and showing up. So Jeff Worth teaching you to say, mm. "Cool, mm-hmm. this is great. This is awesome," and that's helped you. Yeah, and honestly, like with so much of life too, I think I think like immersive came into my life at the right time, um, and just like had a, a series of events in my life just like going very differently from what I had uh, expected, which I'm sure we can all experience. And and you know, experiencing, um, just realizing like 
well, something my, my mom uh, always told me that uh, I feel like finally in the last few years I got to absorb it. It's like, just remember that the obstacles in the path are not obstacles. Uh, they are the path. Mm. So that's it. That's when, when you can feel it. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 I, I just, and I think like so much of uh, how I was initially programmed was like trying to like correct things that were like not going right. Uh, and then finally realizing like, oh no, like this is actually like what is happening. And, and ultimately it's very freeing to realize like our lives are not just ours to control. Um, and it's this like beautiful collaboration with like the universe or whatever. And, and so just like, um, kind of experiencing that like an immersive theater. Like, so Jeff also had this, uh, exercise where he would put, uh, partners about 50 feet away from each other one person would have their eyes closed the others would hold their arms out and the person with their eyes closed would just walk 50 feet towards their partner uh, and the goal was to keep going at the same pace no matter what and your your uh, inclination is to like tighten up or like slow down just when you suspect that you're like getting there like when you feel the fear to like actually let that move the movement and what Jeff Worth was always talking about it's like when that fear kicks in or the doubt kicks in, like the the thing you need to do is not stop the fear, but just keep going. Trust at that. Yeah, yeah. Trust to keep going at that pace. And those are like very, very powerful personal lessons too. Mm. The third prank. The third <laughs> prank. So I'm at work and yeah, yeah, God, yeah. this asshole, he, he calls me up and he's like, Alex, Alex, can you talk? This is really important. This is really important. It's like nighttime. Um, probably like three years ago. Um, yeah, it's probably like 10. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like, Alex, n- no one will believe me, but the, the craziest thing has happened. And I'm like, what? what? He's like, oh God, okay, okay. And he's like really like very upset, um, which goes to the, speaks volumes to his acting uh, ability. And he's like, all right, I, I, I'm trying to recreate the events, try to see if I can do it again. Like I was at work and I fell asleep and I had a dream where I was taken into a limo by an old man and driven to the White House Correspondence Dinner. And Hassan Minaj was performing. And I remember the jokes that Hassan Minaj tells. And this is a week before the real-life Correspondence Dinner that Hassan Minaj was performing at. He's like, Alex, get, get a pen, a pencil, or a pen and a paper, whatever, and write this down. And, and, and I'm like, and he's like, you don't understand. Like, no one will believe me. Like, I, I knew you'd be the only friend that would believe me, which is, ve- is very touching. And like, <laughs> but also. And, and he's giving me, he's, he's manipulating me yeah, by making yeah. me feel like um, if I don't believe that he had this experience, then like I'm denying him as like a friend. Okay. Um, yeah. So, by the way, I just want to defend myself. I didn't try to do any of this. What? I what? didn't try to manipulate you in that way. What are you talking about? Are you. Well, what do you mean? What do you defend yourself? Good. I. I just was like, I'm gonna call Alex and I'm gonna tell him what happened. Uh, this this fake thing that happened. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I'm gonna call. Alex, I'm gonna I, lie I, to I just him. this was not all premeditated. That I just wanted to know. I was in like. You were. You weren't like. I'm going to tell him that he's the only person who, who, yeah, no, I, that's what you're I don't to even say. remember. You're, I did, you're, 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 yeah, yeah, he did, but I did say it. So, so yeah, I did say it. His instinct was to manipulate this, you. Yeah, is yeah. what we're learning. Here's one thing I knew is that Alex would tell everybody. That's, that's what I did know. I was like, I'm calling Alex specifically because I know he's going to think this is funny and he's going to tell everybody. Well, I, I did. So I write down the jokes. One of them was like, um, Hassan Minaj says like, huh, I, uh, 
I don't. Uh, Steve Bannon was supposed to be here, but I do not see Steve Bannon. I, I do not see Steve Bannon. Uh, Nazi Steve Bannon. Blah blah blah. So I write these down. I have like ten jokes. A week passes, and I'm just thinking like, like. I'm t- and yes, I tell everyone. I tell all my friends. <laughs> and I'm like, because Hanan's always doing this, or John, uh, Hanan's little nickname, that's another story, um, is always doing this crazy stuff. So I'm like, this is the latest thing. He claims, everyone watch this and just so we can see what happens. Um, and sure enough, Hassan Minaj gets on stage and I'm watching it. And Hassan Minaj be- says in order every single joke that John told me. <laughs> and you guys are watching, you're watching live. What, like, live. you're not watching like a YouTube. Yeah. And a week has yeah. passed. He, predi- he predicted this. He saw the future a week ahead of time. And I'm literally just like, and I've been doubting the whole week up until this point. Right. But when I see this, I'm like, whoa. Like, people I, apparently were very disturbed I mean, when I, they watched this. I was disturbed. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. like, I guess the only logical explanation <laughs> is that John had a prophetic dream. Had a prophetic dream. Yeah. Then, you know, then um, a couple friends were like, whoa, 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 well, maybe he, like, hacked the Daily Show's emails or something. And, like, they came up with a bunch of crazy... Uh, yeah, yeah, like, and and we were trying to predict, like, how this happened, and basically... Should, should we tell them? Well, I, I call... Well, yeah, 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 but I call John. This is mm. important, because um, this is when I... This is what made him have to stop pranking me. Right, right. And I tried to get the truth. And I want to tell you... I want to tell... I want to explain why I did yeah, this yeah, you later. Can, you know, he's a good person. You're a good person. <laughs> no, but no, there's a good reason why I did this besides... Morality. <laughs> okay, okay. Morality and wasn't in the question for this, but this is another good reason. I gave him the opportunity to admit and tell me what happened, but instead he was just like, "Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know." Uh, yeah, I, s- I guess I saw the future. I yeah. guess I saw the future, and I'm like, "Well, that's a huge deal." I was like, "We should like tell the New York Times." He's like, "He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, crazy things happen." Yeah. So okay. So the reason I did this is because this was the beginning of the prank, in my opinion. You were going to keep this going for months. Uh, once the people think I can tell the future, <laughs> what other pranks can I can I do? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that yeah. was what that was a thought in my head. This is, this yeah, is why I didn't re- play it. Because yeah. Alex was upset I didn't reveal to him. Prank, prank, yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He was upset I didn't reveal to him in that moment. Uh, person, uh, friend to friend. Thanks. He's putting his hand on my <laughs> uh, yeah. leg. Yeah. Uh, that I didn't tell him the truth in that moment, which yeah. is fair. But then, but then, um, basically, like w- our friends were just getting riled up, and I uh, essentially had to call him. Well, because uh, my landlord, uh, <laughs> right? There was a thing he thought I was involved so in. So my, my thing landlord, now. <laughs> when uh, I was moving out of an apartment, and this ended up being totally unrelated. But my landlord, I, me and my friends, we moved out and we cleaned the apartment impeccably. Everything was clean. But my landlord sent me this very upset email saying that we left it totally trashed, and sh- and we weren't getting our security deposit back. And because I've been trained by this guy, I'm like, this is John pranking me. Yeah. Now I, d- I can't believe in anything. I, right. can't, I can't walk through life anymore. Right. And so I called him upset uh, and said, like, listen, man, like, I really need you to, like, just be honest with me right now. Because this has been, like, a month now. And to his credit, he was like, all right, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, I saw Hassan Minaj perform stand-up <laughs> a week before the White House first spot <laughs> dinner. Hassan Minaj said, these are the jokes I'm going to tell next week. <laughs> I don't tell anyone. Yet. So, Hassan Minaj, if you're listening, thank you for the jokes. Yeah, great jokes. <laughs> great great set. Um, but uh, but you promised me to never prank me Yeah, again. then I said, okay, fine. I won't prank you again. The next prank, you'll be in on it. Little and I, I So, pranking right, has right, a lot right. in common with immersive theater. And I've been searching for a while, which I don't think Borrowed Dreams fits this bill. But I've been searching for a while with for the consensual prank. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, what it is is it's the surprise party. 
the, the prank that doesn't have bad connotations is the surprise party. The reveal uh, is the beginning of like something beautiful. Right, right. Re- you you want to prank ethically and, and that and also just with a lot of emp- a lot of empathy, like empathy times ten. You want to prank with a lot of empathy. Um, and bar dreams is not the consensual prank, in my opinion. Uh, it is kind of like a party vibe. But I've been I was searching after that for the, the consensual good prank. But instead, I just did bar dreams, which is kind of prank esque in a way. Um, but to me, pranks have a lot in common with immersive comedy. Yeah, I mean, we're we're trying to take care of people in bar of dreams, yeah. like, and and there it's it's hopefully designed so there's any number of basically the the commonality is that people that are there want to play in some way. That's like the driving questions. Can you as an as an adult in the real world, do you still know how to play? That's the question we ask every audience and, member. And so you can pull a Noah way. Nelson and like go all out in the eulogy and and interact in that way, and that's always awesome. Or you can just like you know quietly explore what we've set up, um, yeah. and that's totally fine. Yeah, and too. you guys and and where the set is minimalist in a lot of ways, you you guys use that to great advantage and, and put a lot of effort into the the spaces you create. And there's even the little tech stuff going on behind the scenes. So like there's 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 more here than meets the eye in terms of what you guys are doing and 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 how how much effort goes into putting in each instance. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's like Transformers. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, like, it's just pretty. We're pretty blown away that we were able to, within a year, like, have this ridiculous idea, move out here, have like Lindsey Scogan, Nick Ronald Jones, like that whole crew, like Terrence Leclaire, uh, people just like that. I mean, listening to your podcast on the drive oh, yeah. out here. You know, you know what's crazy, Noah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so we, we drove out here. And then, so I remember when I met you, it was actually during Jeff Ford's workshop. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And it yeah. Beat you and Fiona, which is hilarious. I, I realized this afterwards. Yeah. Because Fiona is. came to Bar Dreams at the same time. Yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, that was our like little improv group. It was. But I had been listening to No Proscenium. Like on the road trip out here, like nonstop, like next episode, next episode. And then the next day I meet you in person. And I was like, what the, f-? it was like, sur- <laughs> it was fucking surreal. But what did he say to you? Yeah. You did some, in some improv scene, you like called me a bitch. <laughs> it was like, no, no, it was like, it was like, been, yeah. it, I like shot a ball or like, uh, oh yeah. It was like a, there was like an antagonist and you're like, what now, bitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just, I was like a little overwhelmed with like the amount of things happening. Cause I was like, this is the guy I listened to you on this road trip for like and now eight he's hours a day. And now he's now standing he's in front of me. Yeah. It's like if it, Ira Glass so called funny. you a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like who calling me? Ira Glass. Oh, that guy. Yeah, NPR yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 So it was really funny though. If we, if we did comedy, uh, if we did funny titles for episodes, that would be the episode title. It's, it's like if Ira Glass called you a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> we'd probably do great for SEO too. So. Oh, go for it. We can use it. <laughs> um, the show is still running. Yeah, show's still and running. And you, you pop it up. You take it down for a while. You pop it up sometimes. Yeah. So uh, let's roll out those details because we've been at this for just about an hour. And I figured sure. this is a good awesome. point for us to roll off. The yeah, sure. it's, it's going throughout uh, September. We have a lot of show dates on Fridays and Saturdays. If you go to borrowdreams.com, you can see the tickets there. There's four people a night. So it's 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 a it's a highly personalized, intimate experience. Yeah. Um, it's awesome to bring friends, but it's also awesome to just like come uh, – you know, solo, yourself. solo. Wear be, pajamas. Be ready, to, be ready to play. 
be ready to play. Um, There's three cocktails that are served throughout the But it's something important branding issue we had. You do not need to drink. You don't have the entire experience. Oh, yeah, totally. It's the same experience. You just don't, not drinking alcohol, which is the one thing you don't want to do if you don't want to drink. So, yeah, bardreams.com also sign up. The mailing list is, there's a link for the mailing list uh, if you read down and we and connie uh is the concierge at bar of dreams and you can friend him on facebook he's on there he's you know really wants more friends always and if you search at constantly connie it's the blonde man with sunglasses Mm -hmm. all right guys this was awesome thanks so much thanks noah had a lot of fun us too Once again, want to thank Alex Leff and Jonathan Pedigo of Bar of Dreams Los Angeles for being on the show today. You can find tickets to the show at barofdreams.com. It redirects directly to the Ticket Leap website, and you can see the latest lift listings. Liftings? Liftings? That's when you drive around town uh, in someone else's car, or you drive other people around in your car. Anyway, um, it's, not, it's not a word. There's no, there's no, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Huh. It's been a long one, and I'm getting this out uh, on the late side. It's uh, 6, 12 in the evening when I'm finally getting around to this because there have been meetings all day, meetings all day about things for 2020 because that's how you got to roll. It's August, and you got to talk about deep into the spring of the following year because that, ladies and gentlemen, is the entertainment industry uh, of which we are a part, um, in which, indeed, everyone is a part you know, uh, in a philosophical mood for a second here as I turn to the imaginary camera number two, I don't know if you know that, but oftentimes when I make a turn in the conversation like this, I start looking in a different direction as if there's a camera here. Um, so there you go. There's a there's a little bit of insider baseball. thing I'm looking to say is we're all part of the entertainment industry. It is a symbiotic relationship between those who watch, those who make the stuff, and the people in between who sort of lead people or make fools of themselves while playing along, whatever it takes to keep the machine going. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of philosophical stuff on my mind these days. Uh, as I stare into the abyss of everything that's going on and say, why are we still doing any of this stuff? And uh, at the end of the day, um, we seek a better way. We seek a better way to communicate a broader spectrum of what it means to be a human, of the things that are inside us, the hopes, the fears, the dark parts, the light parts, our psyches and shadows, um, and uh, our little corner of the world, this immersive space, uh, is one of those Petri dishes. And I'm so very thankful that so many of you come along for the ride each and every week. Connect with us. I'm serious about that. Uh, my bandwidth may be getting increasingly limited. <laughs> um but we've got the Slack. Uh, there's over 1,300 accounts have been fired up on the Slack. Obviously, there aren't 1,300 people talking at once because that would be painful. But there are conversations that are constantly unfolding. I don't even know what's going on in there half the time. Um, Bitly, 
bit.ly.com slash no pro slack will lead you to the sign up. That's the secret to it. But you can also find links uh, always at the, at the end of every page on the website. Um, join us at Everything Immersive, the Facebook group, which you can find via everythingimmersive.com. Talk to us on Twitter. Um, increasingly follow us on the Instagram. On the Instagram. I said that I used the article. Um, Brianna Rokes has come on board as our LA social media correspondent. And between Brianna's uh, own feed, uh, Brianna's got a lot of followers. Um, actually, this week you'll find uh, we did some video at the Johnny Cycle uh, that has been archived on our page. Uh, Brianna put up an IGTV that included her and my reactions like right after seeing the show. Uh, just a bunch of content in there. Interviews with folks are on our IGTV. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more of that coming forward uh, with members of our team, both on their own and on ours, along with the takeovers. I don't know if you know about the takeovers, uh, but all the time, uh, Catherine has set up this program where uh, shows from across the country uh, all over the place have taken over our Instagram. And frankly, more people should know about it because it's uh, an awesome, awesome resource. And you can find it all there on that Instagram profile. We've archived so many of them. So if you're curious about it, if you want to see those faces and get little glimpses of shows from around the country, it's there. It's this amazing resource. I don't talk about it enough. Um, even I don't know everything that's on there, which is the thing that always boggles my mind is that the, this is this big giant thing that's going on. Um, and there's more coming. Uh, we've got some news about IndieCade coming soon. We've got news about the Vancouver International Film Festival coming soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, right after Labor Day, we're going to be hitting you up with so much more about Spooky Season. Uh, frankly, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. And this week we tried out live streaming and it was broken. Uh, but we're going to try it again this Monday when Ricky Briganti... Uh, um, Anthony Robinson, uh, Brian Resler, and myself brave the internet once more to try and get the audio tracks working for the live streaming for our first everything else live stream. I really hope this works because we're going pop culture on it. And specifically, we're talking about everything that got released at D23 this weekend, which includes all the Disney Plus stuff that just hit today, which is absolutely wild. Um, and I wished I started the show with a good hello there. Those of you who know, know. Um, that's Monday, 7 p.m. on youtube.com slash C slash no proscenium. And uh, we are going to endeavor to make sure the audio works right this time because then we can drop it in the podcast feed as well. Uh, and yeah, Brave New Wild World. We've got a lot more episodes of the podcast in the can. We've got more coming at you all the time. Uh, keep it dialed in at nopersinium.com. All right, let's do the thing we always do. And indeed, one of the things I forgot to do at the top of the show was thank all of our sustaining backers, which is terrible of me because they keep the lights on here. That would be Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mustry. Thank you all for being the backbone of this operation. We could not take the risks that we do take. Uh, as conservative as I am about taking risks, uh, we couldn't even take the ones we already take without your guys' help. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Uh, check out a lot about, as I mentioned, Johnny Cycle on our Instagram. Uh, you can find us at nopersinium.com. 
We're at no proscenium on Twitter and Facebook. We're at no underscore proscenium on Instagram. Yeah, I wish it was otherwise, but it's not. Um, and patreon.com slash no proscenium is how you help us out. Until next time, I'm Noah Nelson, and I'll see you at the show.